This episode is brought to you by Portland Distro. If you love underground music and movies, go to portlanddistro.com for licensed shirts, vinyl, CDs, and more. Go to portlanddistro.com. Plug in the discount code MikeHill666 for 15% off at portlanddistro.com. Hello, friends. Mike Hill here. Time for Everything Went Black. Usually I run my own music as these intros, but uh, since we got Keith Huckins here and we're going to be talking about Dead Guy and we're going to celebrate the upcoming Dead Guy reunion show at the Decibel Metal and Beer Fest in a couple of days, we're going to go deep on the Dead Guy stuff. So hence the intro and outro of this episode. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Dead Guy was, is one of my favorite bands, along with Kiss a Goodbye and Rorschach. And uh, Keith is, uh, you know, one of the key players in all three of those bands. So this was a pleasure and an honor. And uh, here we go, me and Keith Hawkins. Keith, how, how have you been during all of this craziness of the last year or so? Everything good on your end? Yeah, I, I can't I can't complain. Um, you know, actually moving... Uh, moving up here to the sticks about 15 years ago, it didn't really change much for me. Like, um, my job never shut down, you know, so I still went to work every day. Um, so, you know, it, uh, yeah, my, my day to day was not super different. You know, the only thing that was really different was, you know, going to do stuff on the weekends, you know, that that all stopped. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, uh, you know, it was, you know, I watched, <laughs> I watched more shit on Netflix. That was about it. I think that's the game everyone was playing the last, mm-hmm. last like, year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. A very interesting development, though, which um, happened during the duration of this pandemic, was I discovered that there was, there was going to be a, a Dead Guy documentary. And then it was announced that you guys are going to be playing in a couple weeks at the Decibel Metal and Beer Festival. So that's... Yeah. My, for me, for yeah. me at least, that's pretty big news. Yeah, yeah, it was big news. Um, actually, the um, the recordings of of the interviews that I did, and uh, and Tim did, I know that some of the other guys did multiple things. Um, happened two or three weeks before all the shit went down. It happened in February. Right. Um. So yeah, so then uh, yeah, we, we did that, and you know, got got back together and saw each other for the first time in you know whatever twenty five years, um, and uh, you know all all the all the bad stuff washes away because you know who can hold grudges for that kind of long about dumb shit, um, and uh, you know, and then you know the other thing was you know all the old dynamics came back like you know anytime you see old friends from high school or whatever you know everybody gets goofy inside a half an hour, you know, once you feel yourselves out. Um, yeah. And then, then we just, you know, talked about, you know, did we want to play or not? Um, and, uh, you know, I was always up for it and, uh, you know, everybody, everybody got on board. So, uh, yeah. So we got this show coming up, uh, in Philly. Then we got one in LA in December and then we're just gonna see, you know, what does or doesn't happen, you know, it's very low key, no pressure. Just uh, you know, I, I think we're just going to handle it. You know how our schedules allow us to, and and what we feel like doing. 
I've got a, a plethora of questions for you about all this stuff uh, specifically. Sure. So back when, um, did you ever think Dead Guy would have a reunion and play again? Was that something that ever crossed your mind over the years? Um, you know, people would ask me about it. So, you know, it was kind of, you know, like, you know, I couldn't really get away from it. And for, you know, a good while now, and I, you know, I'm not going to put a time on it because I'm not really sure, but I, I was up for it. I just didn't, you know, I just didn't know if anybody else, uh, cared to or wanted to, because, you know, I'd fallen out of touch with, with, um, Pops, Crispy, and uh, and Dave. So you know, I just you know, I I didn't know, you know, if the interest was there or not. But but I was always uh, you know always game. When you guys got together to do uh, you know around the, around the um, the documentary, being mm-hmm. together with everyone else, did that sort of instigate this feeling of of doing shows or doing a show? While we were there, like so. When we did the interviews, um, it was actually done at a at a rehearsal studio in um, in Hoboken. So the the guy who set it up, uh, Bill Saunders, um, he's apparently friends with the guys who run the place and this and that. So you know, we did the interviews in one room, and after we did the interviews, you know, we, we just hung out and we're talking and talking and talking. And he he brought us into a room with a bunch of gear, and. Uh, you know, they, they got us some guitars and uh, Stratocasters, which I don't, I don't, I don't remember the last time I ever played one of those. Um, and we we tried to jam a little bit, and it was it was sad. It's just like we'd play a part, then we'd all look at each other and be like, "Do we? Does anybody know what the next part is?" Like I haven't listened to this in so fucking long. Um, but you know, we had a good laugh, and it was you know, we, we were enjoying ourselves. So, you know, not too long after that. The, the, the talks got serious about all right let's you know let's do a thing and then uh you know like everything else especially you know being that it was the pandemic time you know there a, a lot of time went by and then it was like you know we, we got offered to play the decibel metal and beer fest and i'm like metal and beer and decibel you know these are three of my favorite things so sure you know i was a very i was a very easy sell on this one yeah, it's actually pretty cool. I'm, I'm going to that day. It's uh, with Napalm Death as the headliner, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's a pretty stacked lineup. I'm like, you know, I'm psyched. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm even more psyched that I don't have to play and I can watch Pig Destroyer and Immolation. <laughs> that's the next day, right? I think. <laughs> yeah, that's the next yeah. day. That's yeah, going to be cool. I'm just going to the one day. I can't, I'm not going to the second one, but. Um, sure. Yeah, but that's. That's the one I picked because I wanted to see Dead Guy and Napalm and all the other bands on that day. So that's going to be great. Yeah, Napalm playing those two records, that's, that's got to be fucking wild. They were supposed to do that last year, and uh, we were supposed to tour with them and uh, right after the Metal and Beer Fest. And, uh, right. And that got, obviously got canceled, so I was like super bummed yeah. about that. Yeah, that 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 does suck. That would have been, that would have been nice seeing that every night for whatever a month, month and a half. Furthermore, that's like a bucket list thing for me, man, is to do something with them because I've been a fan of theirs ever since you know the late '80s, really. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, Kissy Goodbye's first show was opening for Napalm at Coney Island High. That was 
I wasn't that there, was... but I remember the show though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't think we were particularly good, but I was still psyched. <laughs> now you mentioned that um when you guys did they give you a heads up that you were gonna be expected to play at that uh that interview session? Or just handed you guitars and said, Okay guys, do something. No, it was it was more that, you know, we um so you know, they had when when we were doing the interviews, it wasn't like everybody was there. Like they were letting everybody do theirs privately. Right. So it was kind of like, you know, like I guess the second staging area was, you know, that practice room with all the gear in it. Like we were just hanging out, you know, and and, you know, musicians. So like, you know, Dave sees a drum set. So, of course, he's going to sit behind it, and start to dig around, you know, and and Bill, the guy who was doing the documentary was. You know, uh, he's a huge Dead Guy fan, which is why he's doing this. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, so he was very, like, he was all giddy. He's like, hey, if I get you guys guitars, will you? I'm like, yeah, well, we'll try. We'll try. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, no promises. So. How long did it take you to get back into shape to play all that stuff? Well, I mean, I've, I I play. Like, right. I've I, I play my guitar, you know on a fairly regular basis, you know, I ebb and flow like everything else, but you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be, you know, three months where I play every single day, then I'll drop it for three weeks and then come back to it. So, um, you know, my, my skills are there. It was just, I just had to go back and actually learn the songs again. And of course, you know, some of the recording is a bit muddier than I remembered. So there was a few things that we got into the practice room and me and Chris are like, do we play it this way or this way? And, you know, and then we would, you know, we just come to a consensus. So, you know, if anybody notices any wrong notes, well, tough shit. That's how the songs are played now. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, ha has your style changed at all? I mean, that's the thing about, yeah, I figured you played all the time, but it's like, uh, you know, that material is like 25 years old. And um, I just know from personal experience with me, songs I wrote that long ago, my approach to the instrument changes over the years and some of those decisions that are made in making writing riffs are different now than they were then. Is that in, true in your case yeah, as well? Yeah. Not really because you're coming from a different place. You, you are an active musician who's never quit. You've been writing this entire time. Right. I, I occasionally hit a riff and go, Oh, well, let me record that. And you know, and I put it on garage band and then it gets forgotten about because I'm, I'm not doing anything. So, um, I mean, I, I probably like, if I were to write, it would sound, um, probably a bit slower than what dead guy plays and, uh, definitely, um, more noisy. I mean, I know we were noisy and I understand what I'm saying, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it would be, you know, just a little more raw. I don't know. It's hard, hard to describe because I'm not, you know, I'm not doing anything like that. Right. Um, so, you know, it's just, and, but, but some of it, like, like, like some of the, uh, like baby arm, I'm like, I, I'm, I can't believe I came up with some of those riffs because that just doesn't feel like me. I'm like, wow, this is, you know, this is out of my comfort zone presently. Um, you know, but it's fucking fun to play. Yeah. T tough one, but fun to play. Now, after you do these shows, you're saying that you, know, you kind of outline what your plan was. You know, you're, okay, we're mm -hmm. gonna do this thing. We play in L.A., and then you're like, and then we'll see. Now, I let that set out in the air. Okay, does that mean mm -hmm. 
potentially more shows and or potentially new recordings? Um, very much going to see how things go. Okay. You know, you know, I don't, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, uh, you know, within the band, you know, there were, there was, you know, there was some talk of us of originally doing more shows, you know, before the end of the year and this and that, and all this talk was going on. And I was the one guy standing in the back going, can we practice first? I'd like (laughs) to practice first. Like, let's make sure that this is going to, you know, let's not make all these plans. And then, you know on the off chance we got to a room we're like oh wait i remember why i hate you now <laughs> like you know which hasn't happened i'm having a blast practice has been fucking fun as shit um but i i i definitely lean towards the practical like i want to i want to get at least one show under our belt before we uh you know if there's any grand design or scheme to anything now uh this episode is going to come out like really close to the uh festival are, are you guys planning on doing any kind of like pre because you know that that decibel show is going to be a pretty big show you know what i mean there's gonna be a lot of people there. yeah 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 now is there going to be like any kind of secret local show that you guys are going to that isn't announced nope. that you're going to feel it nope, out just, or okay just for us all right cool <laughs> you know i mean we um what are we we're about uh what's today today's the fourth so the next two weekends we're going to practice and then we're probably going to practice the Thursday and Friday before the show. And yeah, so we're, we're going to just jam a lot of practice in there. So there's, there's not even time to do anything like that. Okay. Yeah. I was just checking. Cause I figured, you know, since I'm living in Jersey, I could easily, uh, at the moment's a moment's notice. If I got a, uh, some Intel about a pre-show, I'd be able to go there probably. I mean, I could talk to the guys. I could tell you we're rehearsing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that to you guys. No, everyone hates when some people show up at the room and this is like, what the fuck does this guy want? Yeah. You know, you know that, that's back to the old ABC No Rio days where, you know, four guys in the band and like 35 people in the rehearsal room. I said, everyone here. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. And then, and then you end up not, you know, then you end up playing two songs and everybody just starts bullshitting and it all falls away. Yeah, you don't, you don't need me showing up and, uh, you know, like breaking up the, uh, the intensity of um i'm right. sure the diligent rehearsal that you guys are doing uh diligent ish <laughs> <laughs> is the logistics of getting everyone together is everyone on the east coast because i know there was a time even when you were living out west like years and years ago is everyone kind of in the northeast is it easy to get together yeah yeah um uh crispy is still in central jersey um Dave just moved back from Amsterdam, so he's living in uh, in uh, New York City. Um, Tim lives in Philadelphia, so like, um, and right now, um, pops uh, pops has uh, some health issues, so he's not going to be playing this show. Oh wow! Um, yeah, we got um, uh, Jim Bagliano from Human Remains. Oh nice! Going to be playing bass. Cool. Yeah, yeah, very cool. I've I've. Um, you know, I know I must have met him back in the day, but I'm, I don't. I didn't really know him that well. But he's a blast. He's he's a, he's a fun guy. And so, and he's you know he's in Red Bank. So, you know, everybody down. You know, I'm the I'm the one outlier, like because I'm 250 miles north. But you know, for me to hop in a car for four hours to head south, it's you know not that big of a deal for me. I do it all the time anyway. So, 
For a second, I thought you were going to say Chris Pierce was going to fill in. <laughs> no, no, Pierce, Pierce. Uh, I actually got to talk to him. Is uh, it's going to be our like techie? He, we're going to bring him with us to, uh, you know, in case anything goes awry. You toss me another guitar or whatnot. He's definitely a good guy to have on the road for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, absolute road warrior. Yeah. Now back in the day, in the '90s, when I first heard of you guys. Hardcore, all right, this is 100% my opinion, okay? Sure. I feel like hardcore was kind of dead around that time. You know, in, in a way where it was after the 80s and the stuff that, you know, everyone kind of did their thing in the 80s. I know, you know, Poison Idea had, you know, Feel the Darkness. I think that was 89, 90 or something like that. You know, Rorschach was, was you know, your other band was doing their thing. Mm -hmm. But as far as like, as a, a larger sort of thing, it felt to me that people had kind of moved on from that. You know what I mean? And then yeah. suddenly you guys came out of left field and I was in, interested in hardcore again because there was a very unique uh, set of things going on. And I don't think at the time there was really, there was absolutely no one who sounded that way. And the things about it that I liked was that it reminded me of a lot of other things that I know that I held dear to my heart. And, you know, number one being Rorschach, which obviously mm -hmm. it makes sense that it sounds like that. Uh, but then also, you know, Today is a Day, Black Flag, uh, other things like that. And I was actually very surprised that this kind of um, more angular, uh, I like to say thinking's man style of music actually caught mm -hmm. on with, with uh, the the typical hardcore scene at that point. Was that a surprise to you at all? Well, it, it didn't really catch on until kind of after, <laughs> you know, we, we, we imploded because we, you know, we still played a bunch of shows that were small. We, we had a, you know, we had a, a pretty decent following, but you know, we, we weren't, you know, up to like, you know, headlining any place by that time. Right. And, you know, or at least, at least, you know, like, like we couldn't headline CBs, like, you know, it, it would have been 75 kids and very empty. Um, you know, 75 kids who loved us, but, but 75 nonetheless. Um, I mean, you know, for me, I, I got, you know, I got into hardcore like really fast and then bored of it almost just as fast. Um, and, you know, I, I very much grew up a metalhead, you know, right. very, very, you know, I'm very much a metalhead. Yeah, me too. Um, totally. So like, you know, and, and, you know, and during Rorschach before, you know, that went south, um, you know, the noise rock thing started to happen. So, you know, Jesus Lizard, Today is a Day, and Craw, especially fucking Craw. Yeah. That band gets not nearly enough love. Um, so that influenced me and kind of like how hardcore kind of got eh. um same thing kind of happened for me with death metal like death metal got very samey for a while and then i found myself getting back into death metal so like you know i had death metal and and noise rock and you know and all the classics that i still loved um and I, i've never been a good mimic like when i practice and play and write riffs it just it, it comes out through my filter like it's just kind of the like you know you know in my head i'm like i'm gonna write a song that sounds like blast and it doesn't sound anything like blast 
<laughs> you know, it it sounds like me. Um, you know, for better or worse. That's definitely a good thing, man. Because like <laughs> I know, I know a lot of people out there that are way just incredible players, and they can play everything. They're doing Hendrix. They're doing this. They're playing like you know Tony Iommi riffs. They're but there there's almost like they're great at doing other people's material, but they cannot have an original idea really. You know what I mean? And it's, I think it's a blessing if you can make something sound uniquely like you without it being a replica of something else. Yeah. I, I you know, I appreciate it, but you know, there's, there's definitely some riffs that, that I'm just like, you know, it's not quite what I'm going for, but I couldn't figure out how to get there, you know? Yeah. So, you know, just be like, all right, well, you know, this is what it is and, and, and it's fine and, and it's good. But I'm just like, eh, well, you know, I'll live with that one. Um, but, you know, as far as, as you know, the scene and, and, you know, and we kind of um, at that time, like we were we were trying not to play hardcore shows. We were trying to play shows with Craw, with Today's a Day, with Dazzling Killman, like. You know, one of the, one of the best shows we ever played was with Dazzling Killman at Knitting Factory, and, I, and if there was thirty people there, that that I'm probably overestimating it by half. <laughs> wow, yeah. You know, that's the thing, man. Like people reference a lot of these bands, and um, like my memories too of seeing, you know, like Hammerhead and Dazzling Killman, and all, you know, even Unsane. That most most of the Unsane shows yeah. I saw were like. You know, thirty people maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, when they—I mean, when they first came out, they were so fucking loud. However, many people started watching them at the beginning of the set. Three quarters were gone by the end of the set. You know, people yeah. just couldn't couldn't take the punishment. They're like, you know, after after fifteen minutes, they're like, we got to go. I guess um, but, knowing that that was kind of the the goal of the band was to play with those sorts of bands. I guess mm-hmm. the the question I really had was, were you surprised when, like, typical hardcore people started getting interested in the music? Because I, I was actually kind of shocked myself. I, I don't know if I ever, you know, really thought about it all that much, to be perfectly honest. Like, um, I just thought about it, you know, under the blanket term, we were a heavy band. Right. And people who, who like heavy, you know, should be into us. Um. So, you know, whether it was, you know, a hardcore kid, you know, you know, just an indie kid or, or, you know, metal guys, you know, whatever. If you, if you, if you appreciate, you know, appreciated, you know, heavy chaotic music, you know, we, we, we should be your jam. Fair enough. Are you, uh, you still playing those BC riches or are you moved? Absolutely. That's like your stuff. That's like. It's, what it's, play, my, right? it's my stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm. I have never been a gear guy. You know, um, you know, I, I like the way the necks feel. The necks are a bit on the thicker side. Um, you know, they're not as wide, uh, but they're deep, and you know, kind of feels like a baseball bat. And it's just, it's what I like. Um, and I mean, I've got. What do I have? One, two, three, four. I have seven guitars. Four of them are riches. I have an acoustic that collects dust. I have an old Yamaha bass, and I've got this really, really beat the shit Ibanez that plays like ass. Like I should really just throw it in the garbage. I just can't bring myself to. Um, but yeah, it just it's you know it's it's what I like. Um, 
uh, at Dead Guy practice last week, uh, Dave actually now plays guitar, and he has a, had a, a Dunable. Um, I forget which body style, but but he, uh, you know, he's like, oh, check this out, and, and I picked it up, and the neck is thin and wide, and I'm like, you know, not, nothing against the guy, not to disparage their guitars, but I'm just like, I hate this. I'm like, I can't, I can't do anything with this. I'm like, I sound like total ass because it's just, you know, not what I'm used to. Like, I can't, I can't pick up any guitar and fly on it. You know, I, I need, you know, I, I need my home base. I need my nice, thick, rich neck. Right on. Active or passive pickups? <sighs> um. See, this is where it comes to the fact that I'm not a gearhead. Okay. Whatever the fuck, whatever the fuck, lace death buckers are. I think oh, okay. they're passive because yeah. there's no battery. There's no battery. Yep. There you go. But but it but it's a weird. I know it's like a weird thing. Um, my my seagull does have a, a, a EMG eighty one. Um, you know, I like the way that sounds. I I had I had EMGs, you know, and a bunch of guitars, but um, I got into the lace death bucker before the Rorschach reunion shows and I thought it sounded amazing so that's that's my new thing yeah they make good they make good equipment lace definitely yeah yeah I got that and in the uh, the my 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 newer Mockingbird um, I actually put a bridge pick I mean a neck pickup in it which most of my guitars don't have um, and I just I got the uh, the Bill Kelleher model I can't remember what it's called um, just cause I found it on sale, I'm like, oh, put that in with the hell in it. You know, it's fine. That does, you know, does what it's supposed to do. Speaking of Rorschach, I, um, have to say, cause I'm looking at this photograph right now. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but the day that you guys, I think played three shows, Uh huh. it was, um, ABC no Rio mm -hmm. Poisson Rouge. And then at nope. night. No, no, what, no. That was Santos, wasn't it? Or was that? Pou no, it was Poussin Rouge. You're right. I'm sorry. You are correct. And then uh, at night, you guys play the Acheron, okay? Yes. And I had gone to Maryland Death Fest during the day to see Napalm Death and Godflesh. All right. Mm-hmm. I was driving back, and I looked at my watch, and I was like, you know, what? I could probably make that Acheron show. So I drove out to the Acheron. You guys were just getting ready to play. Mm -hmm. and that night, one of the high points of the last <laughs> 10 years happened for me. Okay. I don't know if you remember this or not. I do. I totally remember it. But Charles handed me the microphone from my war and I got to join you guys mm -hmm. on stage. And that was fucking incredible. I thought we, uh, when, when we did our reunion shows, we kind of made that a thing. We would, we would find one of our friends and have them sing my war at the shows just cause you know, you know, everybody knows enough of the words to fake it, <laughs> and, you know, and, and it's a blast. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, year, the time we played New York before that, when we played Santos, we had Ted Leo sing it. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's actually some good video of that one. Um, uh, a friend of ours in Boston, John Foster sang it. Um, I'm trying to think who else we, yeah, we, we basically would just be like, you know, here, you know, just hand people like here, sing my war, go for it, have fun. That Give was like I, I blew out like so much energy during that song because I felt like I played like three sets just in that one song. 
It was great, you know. And uh, awesome. Yeah, Rich Hall's uh, lady is now now his wife actually shot some photos and sent me a picture of uh, of me singing, and you can see uh, you and you can see Andrew in the background, and it's uh, really cool. Well, when uh, when this goes up, post it up on Instagram and tag me, and I want to see that. That's cool. I, I yeah, that's actually that's a great idea, man. I have to take it out of the frame. <laughs> and, uh, I got it. I have it framed right here next to. Uh, Just take a picture of the frame. It's fine. Yeah. I, well, you know, there's like the glare and stuff. You know, whatever. I'll figure it out. But yeah, I think I'll do that. I will. I will definitely do that. I think that would be a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah. So do you? Um, you're saying you play all the time, but you don't write in. You don't work on any original material, though. No. See. I, being in a band, to me, the most fun part was writing. Right. And I generally, in the very beginning of Rorschach, I would, I would struggle and I would flesh out a whole song and bring it to practice. And then once other hands go in the pie, things change. Yes. So after a while, I was just like, why? Like, let's just write at practice. And, you know, that's just one of my favorite favorite things to do and i mean especially you know towards the you know the last band i did with kiss a goodbye you know i we we'd go into this, the room cold you know i'd start noodling and like i'd hit something and, and you know somebody would go you know what was that play that again you know and then we'd work on that and like you know we'd get to you know where that was comfortable and be like all right where do we want to go from here and somebody would be like you know you know, let me try something and we would just do that and everything was just really you know everybody wrote their own parts it was really organic um and and that's just the way i really like to do it so like i write a riff now and then i like i look around my room i'm like where's andrew because right, I, yeah. I need i need i need to know where to go from here like i need some direction you know because i i find that that when i try to write i kind of everything becomes a variation on a theme everything gets a little samey right and and then i just get discouraged and just go ah, fuck it who cares i just figure that these days with all the technology that's out there that's all relatively cheap and some of it's even free and that you know everyone has their little side project they're doing with a drum machine or some loops or whatever yeah i figured you know everyone took advantage of that and i'd, I'd be interested in hearing something that you might do i uh i am scared of that it is it seems like learning another language to me like i'm just not cut out for that you know i i i i can barely handle recording guitar tracks on garage band and then i'm like wait come up with the, with, with drums no no, yeah, no i no. hear you man it's, it's that's, a that's, that's why they have drummers like i don't i don't need to <laughs> do that <laughs> there's people for this job <laughs> You know, it's funny you mentioned that about Kiss a Goodbye because I've always felt that there was more of um, like a jam sort of, like for lack of a better term, like a jam vibe to like a groove to a lot of those songs as opposed to the Dead Guy material. Dead Guy was very um, guitar-centric and Kiss a Goodbye was definitely very drum-centric. Like a lot of those riffs were written around drum beats. Like... Yeah, like the drums came first, and then I was like, "All right, that's amazing. I've got to put something really fucking good over this because otherwise, it's you know not fair to Andrew." 
Now, would, would you characterize that like some of like probably one of the defining differences between the two bands? Because I, I kind of picked up more like when I obviously I love Dead Guy. Uh, it had way more of like over the top guitar thing going on, like you were saying, to support what you said. Mm-hmm. And when when the the Kissy Goodbye stuff came out, it was um, still very chaotic, but there was this, for, you know, almost like um, not at all like this, but to me it was like this, like almost like this kind of Jesus Lizard like birthday party like groove like bass and drum thing going on and. I mean, would you characterize just rhythmically that the main differences between two bands from your perspective? I, the, the Kids of Goodbye sounded like that because of Neurosis and Unsane, okay. which was basically the only two things I was listening to at that time. And I got I got bored with kind of playing fast. Yeah. Like, like, like just fast just started to feel very samey to me. And like, especially from Neurosis, I, I really started enjoying letting songs breathe like you know you know in, instead of playing a part four times in and out now let's play it 12 16 fuck it 32 times let let this thing you know you know start and and just build and maybe drop down you know and then go to the next thing instead of you know everything just kind of being in and out that would have been the uh through silver and blood uh times of yes. grace era right Probably before yes. Times of Grace, I think, right? Yes, yeah. through Silver and Blood, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, I think I'm the only person in the world who found Times of Grace to be a letdown. I was so disappointed with that record. I love it now, but back then, because every record, you know, it was, it was, you know, from The Word is Law to Souls at Zero to Enemy of the Sun to Through Silver and Blood, each one had such a dynamic leap forward. And then Times of Grace was just like, eh, you know. Little progression, but it wasn't wasn't the jump I was expecting. I mean, I know it's been said before by many people, but uh, through Silver and Blood was was for sh- for sure my like favorite Neurosis record, and like oh, absolutely, you yeah. Know, and and it's like it encapsulates such like a period of time for me, and um, you know, even even just on a personal level, there was a lot of like. You know, tribulations I was going through around the time that uh, I would see them play one one magic night in Boston when I lived up there. Mm-hmm. It was like Neurosis, I Hate God, and Dead and Gone all played together on tour. Ah. Yeah. And um, wow. Yeah, I'm going to be talking to Shane, who played in Dead and Gone in the next few episodes. And uh, I just, you know, I, I talk about that night frequently because it was one of these like moments in my life for me i was like yeah i kind of was going through some personal stuff i didn't really have anywhere to live i was just kind of like staying like lingering like haunting right certain people's houses and stuff sure and sure it the was couch like surfing we've yeah, all done it yeah totally and then i was like i got to go down to the see neurosis play and then i hate god crushed like harder than i'd ever seen them mm-hmm. and then um when neurosis came on it was like I'm like, man, these guys, you know, I hate God just like fucking crushed. I mean, this this better be good, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was. It was way beyond <laughs> any any experience with music that I've ever had since then, before then, or any time in the future, anything I'm ever going to have was that yeah. very moment in that particular time stream and it was and that's why that record always takes me back to that, man. And there's so oh, much yeah. stuff on there, you know, so dense. 
Yeah, they um, they played CBs. I want to say right before Through Silver and Blood came out, and I I stood you know right at the front of the stage, you know, so you know I've got my thighs pressed against that fucking dumb stage, <laughs> stupid height of that thing, and they played most of Through Silver and Blood, like like most of those songs. It was the first time hearing them. And like when they came out with the extra drums for Through Silver and Blood, like that was like that was that was like a top five show for me. It was just like it was just unrelenting, and it was like seventy five minutes. Like they they played forever, and it was just yeah, just fucking brutal. Yeah, that we, was um, the time for sure, man. Yeah, we actually played with them. Um, I think Through Silver and Blood. Yeah, Through Silver and Blood was out. It was us. Buzz Oven and Neurosis played the tune in, in Connecticut. And Neurosis had so much gear, they kept blowing out the fucking power. <laughs> like, like two or three times, like the whole, the fucking, you know, it just like went, everything just went poof. And oh, they were pissed. They were so fucking angry. But yeah, that, that was a fucking wild one. You know, I've I've talked to Steve Vontill and Scott Kelly, uh, you know, interviewed them for different things over the years, but I never actually spoke to them about that one experience I had because, right? You know, my my understanding was that wasn't a very good time in those guys' lives, and um, yeah, no, no, apparently their life was a shit show too. Like, yeah, and um, but I, I last time I spoke to Steve, I interviewed him for um, a written piece for his uh, latest solo record. And mm -hmm. um, I kind of like, you know, asked him a little bit about in the interview, a little bit about that period. And he just didn't want to talk about it. He was like, well, it was young men doing stupid young men things. And we'll just leave it at that. I was like, OK, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so. But, yeah, you know, I just didn't want to bring that up because, you know, sometimes, you know, little triggers happen and it puts you in a mood sure. and you're just like, fuck mm -hmm. that. You know, I don't want to think about those times anymore. Yeah, no, no. Through Silver and Blood is is still is still get me going music. Like it's, you know, if I need a lift, that's a record. Is there anything else like uh, that you've been listening to that's been grabbing you? I know, like these days, it seems like the last couple of years, new records are coming out like all the time. Uh, I am so ill prepared for this question, because um, the answer is yes, because I'm still constantly buying music all the time. Yeah. Um. But, you know, now that I have to think about it, I'm fucking <laughs> sorry. Totally drawing <laughs> no, it's it's fine. Um, you know, of, of see, here's the thing. I, I am a like I'm bad with technology. What I need to do is I need to open up the app on my phone to see what I have downloaded on here. But if I do that, I'm going to hang up on you. Because I, I, yeah, I, I cannot I cannot function like that. I just I, I don't have it, you know. I don't have that ability. Uh, over the last few years, one band um, is Wayfarer, oh, yeah. black metal mm -hmm. band out of yep. Colorado. Yeah. I really like them. Um, I'm trying. I'm, you know, I just organized a bunch of CDs, so all the new stuff I had, I fucking put away already. So now, that doesn't even help. God damn it. Um, yeah, Wayfarer is one of the new ones that I really, really dig. Um, band out of Florida called Colonial Wound. I haven't heard them actually. Um, they, 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 you know, 
you know, for fans of Kiss It Goodbye, like it's it's, it's really right up my alley. Um, they're really good. You know, also because, you know, uh, as we get older and time skews, you know, I'm thinking like like new bands and I'm like, you know, then I'm like, wait, no, I've been listening to them for like 12 years. Um, you know, the new Red Fang came out. I'm always a sucker for those guys. They're just fucking fun. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to struggle with this. Well, you know, it's the uh, it's funny you mentioned the Wayfarer stuff because that I feel like American black metal has actually really come into its own entity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It stepped up. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, like for many, many years, e- even though some of the earliest black metal bands were from the U.S., you know, and uh, but yeah. it always got this kind of like, you know, stepchild um, vibe from the Europeans. Right. Know? Well, I've I've got I've got a very, you know, uh, you know, odd relationship with black metal. Like, I can't handle any of the lo-fi stuff. I just can't stand it. Yeah. I, I just, I hate bad recordings, you know, I hated them in hardcore, I hate them in black metal. So like you, you've got to have a, a decent sound for me to pay attention. Um, who's that, that band from fucking Portland? You, you oh, yeah, I don't even yeah. know how to say yeah. their name. Oh, yeah. You they, yeah. I, I really dig them. They're really good. Um, yeah, but if, but if your stuff sounds like crap, I just, I can't fucking deal with it. It's, you know, kind, kind of the same reason, like, I've never gotten into any of that war metal shit, you know, oh, yeah. and, and, and like style, like I love looking at these bands. Like I love the graphics. I love all the imaging. Yeah. And then I listen to it. I'm like, that's oh, just, just terrible. Just stop it. It almost sounds like a noise record at times. Some of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you, there's no excuses to sound like this. There's just none. Especially these days, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like you can, yeah. in your, on your computer, you can, your laptop, you can make on a your, totally pro your record. Phone. Your, your phone, your phone yeah. will, will make, you know, you know, please don't try to sound like a demo from 83. They didn't want to sound like that in 83. <laughs> they just didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Let, let me get back to the documentary real quick. So, Sure, absolutely. Have you seen the entire thing yet? No, I have not. That's a fair question. <laughs> So on uh, on on uh, the day before the Decibel Metal Fest, on that Friday, um, they're doing a screening of it, um, and I forget where it is. So bad mm. plug for me. Um, but yeah, they, we're doing a screening of it, and then apparently uh, we're doing a Q and A afterwards. So so people are going to be asking me questions on something I just saw for the first time. Wow. So I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't go poorly, and we don't break up beforehand. <laughs> I, I, I might Wait, come you out said what? That. I might come out for that. That might be fun to do that on a Friday night before that. Yeah, yeah, and they're uh, and they're actually uh, they're going to have our beer at that thing too. Oh, so what's the story with the beer? Um, basically, once once we got hooked up with this, uh, I am I am a craft beer guy. Uh huh. And once you know, Dave told me that we're going to play Decibel Metal and Beer Fest. I immediately sent Albert an email, said, you were going to connect me with a brewery because there's going to be a dead guy beer. And that's that. And uh, he hooked me up with Broken Goblet out of, uh, I think they're in Ben Salem. And uh, I've been talking to one of the guys down there, Mike Lockator, who apparently is an old, well, not, you know, he's younger than me, but I guess he he spent some time with some some Jersey hardcore bands. Um, So, you know, he gets... 
what we're about and all that. And, uh, you know, I just talked to him about it. I, you know, I, I prefer, um, traditional German style beers, you know, lagers, Helles, Kolsch, you know, Oktoberfest, all beers, things like that. And I don't, I prefer them to be, you know, traditional and clean. Like I don't like them with weird shit in them. Yeah. yeah um, you. you know, don't, don't put fucking fruit and, you know, dumb shit in my beer. I just don't want it. So you're not, you're not down with um, those sours or anything like that? No, I don't like sours. Um, I mean, I'll drink IPAs, but if they get too weird, I'm just, I'm not, not crazy with it. And, and, you know, oddly enough, you know, since I t- tend to like, you know, that and darker beers, I hate barrel aged stuff. Cause I don't actually like booze. Like I will, I don't drink fucking scotch or whiskey or I just, I don't like the taste of it. Right. So when I do barrel aged stuff, all I can taste is the booze. I'm just like, Ugh. so, um, you know, talking with them, uh, originally I wanted to do a smoked Roush beer. Um, but apparently they, they had just done one. So, uh, I was like, you know what? It's, it's the end of September. I'm like, it's Oktoberfest time. Do me an, let's do an Oktoberfest. Nice. So, yeah, so that's what we're going to do. Um, and he's like, what do you want to call it? And I said, makeshift Adam Smasher, because that's a great name for a fucking beer. And then um, we were going to have Tim do the artwork, but Tim is so busy with doing other stuff for Dead Guy and for uh, his own band right now that he's got Bitter Branches that he just he couldn't do it. So I was um, Mike was like, well, we've got an art department. I'm like, well, OK, that's fine. Um, and then he sent me back these pictures that is totally in, you know, the dead guy, like, you know, fifties clip art kitsch aesthetic. Um, and it's, you know, this giant robot with this weird, bizarre, like energy hammer. And it, 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 it looks, it looks fucking awesome. It looks great. And I was just like, perfect done. And, uh, you know, like, and, and the robot has a chest plate with a pentagram, of course, like, you know, got to throw a little scene in there. Got to have that. So, uh, yeah. So, and, and, uh, I've, I've also yet to try the beer because, you know, I live too damn far away, but if the beer's half as good as the packaging, it's going to be a banger. That sounds great, man. I can't wait to try that out. That sounds like, uh, yeah. like pretty interesting to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, honestly, it, it, you know, once I found out about this, I'm like, all I need is my beer. I'm like, I don't even care if we get to the show part. I just need the beer. <laughs> <laughs> For your information out there, the Dead Guy Killing Music World premiere is Friday, September 24th at 9 p.m. sharp at the Underground Arts Center in Philadelphia, PA. That's where it's at. I just looked it up. Okay. Cool. So uh, I, I actually am going to go down for that. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. All right. I, I don't I I don't know how tickets work for that, so you may want to. Oh, I'll get in. Don't worry about that. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I'll figure it Fair out. Fair enough. For sure, man. Fair enough. Yeah. I uh, just don't, you know. I got my ways, you know. Absolutely. I, I used to have ways. I don't have ways anymore. Yeah. You know, it's one of the perks <laughs> for, like, writing for all these fucking people. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, being someone that knows people and shit like that so it's sure cool. sure yeah yeah I, I remember those days <laughs> are you do you still read comics i i, I kind of i know that you and i must have talked about comics at some point yeah i've um i've fallen off um but now what i'll do is every like 
I don't know, four to six months, I'll get a bug in my ass and I'll just buy like a dozen graphic novels and, you know, just kind of go through those and, you know, and, you know, cause you know, I still, I still read, you know, regular books too. And, you know, time is, time is shorter than it used to be. So I do less and I have less time. I don't really understand how it works. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I've been, uh, what did I just go through? I'm, I'm, uh, in the middle of Lazarus. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. by, uh, by Rucka, um, or Ruka. I don't know how you say it. And I'm really enjoying that. And one, uh, the wicked and the divine, uh, by Kieran Gillen. That one I'm not familiar with. It's a really bizarre concept. It's, um, it was written about four or five years ago and it takes place in England. And there's this weird thing where every 90 years gods in, inhabit the bodies of 12 people, but they only stick around for two years and then those people die. Wow. Okay. And, and everybody knows about this and it's kind of like part of the whole thing with celebrity culture. So like everybody knows who these people are and they're all super famous and like, you know, people, you know, follow them in the tabloids and it's just, and, and of course they also get up to weird God shit, you know, (laughs) they do, you know, fucked up bizarre things. It's, it's really, really insane. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, it's a it's a fun read. Does that, is that an Image comic or? Uh... Uh, yeah, that is on Image. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's, I think I just uh, I might have seen that out at the shop. But I do the same thing, man. I don't I don't have like I don't make the the weekly trip to the shops anymore. But um, I do the I do the trades, you know. Yeah, and 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 I'm finding myself like I'm getting you know somebody recommends me something like you know then then I'll you know I'm like I'm happy to be like. Oh, there's, you know, 15 trades of that. Cool. That'll occupy some time for a while. And, you know, I can just get neck deep in that. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> the, uh, the guy that co-hosts my horror podcast, Mike, um, Mike Scandato, he used to own a comic shop in Brooklyn yeah. and, um, yeah, you, know, you know, Mike, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I know Mike. I didn't know he owned a comic shop though. Him, him and John, his brother, mm-hmm. they had, um, for a few years, they had, uh, this place called Brooklyn Monster Factory on 7th Avenue in Park Slope. And um, okay. down, I don't know what the whatever the cross street is like, like Prospect or something like that. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was around for a while. Um, and you know, it's just hard to fucking stay open, man. Selling books, you know, to people. Yeah. And um, but that was like some of the greatest memories of those years was like uh, showing up on Wednesdays, and Wednesdays was just like a, I would sure. I would just be there until the place closed. It was awesome. We just all hang out, get our books. You know, mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, Lou from Sick of It All came by and, you know, Mike and his brother and all, I met all these new people that I just became friends with. And it was just sure so much fun. And um, just, you know, the everything good always comes to an end. So, uh, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, that had that went by the wayside. But, you know, it's it's a, it was a good memory, man. And it's uh, that was the last time I actually bought like that era was when I was the weekly guy. And then I transferred right. to doing like, you know, trades and stuff like that. Right. I just, I just kind of weaned myself off. Like, like, because a lot of the superhero things that I was reading, you know, they just, they just get so Sammy. Yeah. Totally. You know, it's just like, you know, it's like how many different Batman stories can I read? Cause they're, 
you know, there's nothing new under the sun. So just, you know, other things that I was reading, um, a lot of them were finite series. So when they would, when they would end, instead of picking up something new, I'm just like, I'm just going to let this go. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, until finally it was just like, you know, you know, it was whatever the, the five or six superhero comics I, I picked up. And then I was just like, I'm just, I'm just stopping. I'm just cutting it off, like letting it go. Yeah, they started also, the, the writing started trailing off. I think with a lot of the a lot of the you know typical Marvel and DC like superhero comics. It it seems like that's where you know people cut their teeth, and all the good writing is is, you know, and the weird shit. You know the the the, the you know the, the stranger ideas because you know they're they're good. Actually, speaking of comics, um, did you read Why the Last Man? Yeah, I I um I haven't finished the series yet. I didn't read it when it was out. I read it as trades. I have like a couple more trades. Left. Yeah, I, I yeah I read it as trades too. But um, I think it's next week. Uh, the series is starting on Hulu, and it looks the trailer looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I saw the trailer just a couple of days ago. I'm really excited about that. Yes, yeah, I'm I'm very stoked for that. You you know who um delivers pretty regularly and he you know he he started writing like Batman and you know Marvel stuff was uh, Ed Brubaker I love all of his work. I never got super into crime comics. I know he did Criminal. Yeah. And and a lot of a lot of those. Um, I would uh, I would have to go and check that out because I you know I I always you know steered more towards the Vertigo, you know weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah, his is um very noir ish, and um, you know it also has a lot of like his new his newest thing called Reckless takes place in like the '90s or something, and there's like a lot of like nostalgic stuff in there, so that's kind of cool. All right, all right. Actually, uh, I was at a I was at a used bookstore a little while ago, and um. I just happened to pull this Mickey Spillane book off the shelf and um, the cover art on it was, it was, it turned out it was a Jim Steranko drawing. Oh, nice. But it was completely Frank Miller Sin City. Like, like I never made the connection that he just completely copped that style, like totally copped that whole style off this one drawing. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> fucking thief. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. I, I have to analyze that a little bit more, you know. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it was just a Steranko drawing, you know, and it was, you know, like like a gum shoe with you know shadows across his face, but, you know, just bold black and white, like, like okay, I see what you did there, buddy. Yeah, that Miller work is great, man. I, I I've always been a big fan of that era of his work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before he went off the deep end, yes, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and also the Daredevil run he did, man, like that, that his whole like re oh, yeah. revitalization of the character. It's like, like he saved the character in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Total classics. Yeah. Well, thanks. Any, thanks for hanging in there, man. Uh, by now, everyone's probably bored to listen to us talk about comics. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, everyone's re ready to tap out on that. But, uh, mm -hmm. but yeah, man, I'm looking forward to the show and, uh, yeah, you know, good luck. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, checking out one of those beers, the Dead Guy beers, man. Yes, yes, as am I. On, on, I, will, I will be checking mine out on on the Sunday because I have to be a good boy before we play. <laughs> yeah, I have to not suck. 
And, I'm, and keep an eye out for me at the uh, Q&A part of uh, the Dead Guy documentary. I'll be asking some questions to put you guys on the spot. It's not like you're a hard one to find. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. All right, Mike. Take it's care. It's been a pleasure. Talk Goodbye. to you soon. Bye-bye.